This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Health and Living with me, Lim Su An. How often do you think about how your kidneys are doing? While we can lead a healthy and good quality of life with just one kidney, it doesn't mean that we can or should neglect our kidneys' health. Now, with chronic kidney disease being one of the main NCDs that are burdening the Malaysian population, just how healthy are our kidneys? And more importantly, what can we do to keep them functioning well? So on this World Kidney Day special, um, I'm joined by nephrologist Dr. Pramila Arul Arumuga from Hospital Serdang to shed more light on how we can keep our kidneys healthy. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Pramila. Hi, Swen. It's so wonderful to be here with you as well. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on air today. Glad to have you on. Now, I think a lot of people probably don't give much thought to our kidney health, right? What we often hear is your heart health, for example. Um, But maybe you could shed more light first on what is the function of our kidneys in keeping our body healthy and functioning? Okay, first of all, I would like to say that kidney carries a very big, huge responsibility as a vital organ in our body. So it plays a a function as a main filter, meaning that it will filter every toxin and substances that goes into our body. And subsequently, it also plays a main role in maintaining a normal level of electrolytes or salts. That's how we know it of. And our fluid status, whether we have excessive hydration or even lack of hydration. And definitely as a hormonal uh, organ as well, because it's going to um, play a role in production of uh, red blood cells and also maintaining healthy bones as well. Mm. So how do you determine then, or I guess what are the baselines to determine if someone's kidneys are functioning well? Alright, so usually kidney uh, diseases uh, do not portray or do not show any symptoms at an earlier stage. Mm-hmm. So initial screening is very important, meaning that simple screening, for example, urine analysis means that you get your urine tested. Uh, even a simple blood profile to look at your kidney function can be done. And uh, picking up early symptoms, for example, uh, high blood pressure, Uh, leg swelling or even frothy urine or bubbles in your urine would be a significant marker at the earlier stage. I would say that some of us uh, have got additional... uh, additional impact on going to the clinics and all and getting an ultrasound done. Mm-hmm. So ultrasound of the kidney usually uh, shows us structural abnormalities, meaning that if you have a stone or you have a single kidney, mm-hmm. so that can be picked up by ultrasounds. Mm, so the basics are urine test and a blood test. And then if you need an additional one, an ultrasound would be the next step. Yes, definitely. All right. So how do you know then if someone's kidneys begin to fail? Okay, as I mentioned earlier, uh, when we speak about chronic kidney disease, all right, this differs from something that uh, occurs acutely, meaning there is an uh, emergent insult at mm-hmm. that point of time. So chronic kidney disease, it means that it has been ongoing for quite some time and there will be some structural and functional changes. So at the initial stage, usually chronic kidney disease has got five stages. Mm-hmm. At the initial stage of one, two and three, one may lead a completely normal life without any symptoms at all. So this diagnosis is just going to be merely on your blood investigation that we run on you and maybe a bit of urine analysis. Other than that, as they progress further, stage 4, stage 5, or we know it as end-stage kidney disease. So at this point of time, they will start having very subtle symptoms. They are feeling tired. They are feeling lethargy. Appetite has not been so good. So it starts off with that. Then slowly, as they deteriorate, then there will be nausea, vomiting, leg swelling, itchiness, dry skin. Some of them might even have some insomnia. 
Mm. Yeah. So I guess going back to what you were talking about earlier about the functions of the kidney is, you know, for example, the body's main filter of maintaining the hydration levels in the body. So when the kidney starts failing, these functions then begin to um, are, begin to be impaired and that's what leads to all the symptoms. Yes, correct. Mm. All right. And I guess how does it impact an individual's quality of life when they've been diagnosed with a chronic kidney disease? Because like you say, the earlier stages of kidney disease, um, you know, someone is perfectly, can seem perfectly normal, they are, they, they are not affected. But when it gets more severe, how does it impact their ability to go about their daily routine? Usually, we look at it very holistically. Mm -hmm. We do not only look at the physical impairment that they are going to have because later stages, definitely physical impairment is there. However, I think we need to look more into their emotional uh, impact and also social impact, how that is going to affect them emotionally, mentally and also in social. So the very minute one is being diagnosed or the doctor tells you, you have chronic kidney disease or you have kidney impairment. So immediately... There are certain group of patients mm -hmm. uh, who have got poor knowledge or not much understanding or even a poor insight to accept it. Mm -hmm. Some may have issues with acceptance completely. They will be in a state of denial. And lifestyle modification does not take place in this group of uh, patients. And thirdly, there might be another group of patients who always look at this as a curse. They feel it's a curse and they will be shunned away by the society the very minute they reveal that they have chronic kidney disease or even progression to end stage. Mm -hmm. So these effects are definitely there. These impacts are really negative on their lifestyle. And definitely as they further, uh, they progress further, uh, CKD stage 4 or even 5, end-stage kidney disease, if treatment is not being offered or done, then definitely it is going to impair them mm -hmm. uh, physically, mobility-wise, and even their, how they're going to get to work, how they're going to function at work, all that is going to be affected. Mm. It's interesting how you first mentioned the, the, the patient or the individual's um, perception of the disease, right? Because um, that's, I guess, one of the main barriers. What do you see most often among your patients? You know, are people, um, do, do, which, where do they fall on that spectrum that you, you described? Okay, honestly, most of them uh, whom we see in our clinics, even after many years of being seen in our own clinic, nephrology mm -hmm. clinics, we do see that they do not understand what the disease is all about. Mm. So when they come to the clinic, they say, oh, I've just got kidney. Something is not right with my kidney. So when you ask them about what stage are you at, what have you done so far? So they are not able to explain it back to us. Mm. So this part, I would not say that it is the patient's mistake themselves, but maybe it's the understanding and the way that we as physicians or clinic clinicians, we convey the message to them. It is our duty to make them understand and aware of what they have. So yeah, so I can see there are mixed groups of them. So some of them do understand, some do not understand. Some are completely, as I mentioned, they are in a denial of their disease and they just come for their six-monthly follow-up because they have been given an appointment. Yeah. Mm. And it's when they don't understand that comes the difficulty of getting them to make those changes, right? Because they don't see how the connection is. Yeah, it is very difficult. Uh, so I would say that to begin with, uh, what we usually practice is cultivate awareness since young. Mm. Um, as you are aware, it's World Kidney Day. Mm -hmm. So overall, every year, there is a different theme. Yep. And previously, in uh, if I'm not mistaken, 2017-18, we have aimed for the children. Mm. We have looked into uh, uh, the women. 
Alright, so these are all the vulnerable groups that we could think of. I'm not saying they are vulnerable, but these are the groups that we have uh, been not focusing much on. So I would say cultivate this awareness, create it since young. Mm. Because now, as you can see, uh, kidney diseases are mostly in younger group as compared to the elderly. Mm, it's progressively becoming a young people's disease. Yes, correct. Uh, and if, even if I want to quote you, it'll be like approximately 35% of our uh, end-stage kidney disease patients are now below the age of 40. So this is, uh, I would say it's a terrifying number. All right, so cultivate awareness, create awareness since young. That is step number one. Secondly, when they come and see us or we need to uh, instill it in them at an early stage. Give them early exposure. Mm -hmm. That's what we do. The very minute we we know that you have chronic kidney disease, we start off with our dietitian referrals. We try to guide you into how your dietary is supposed to be, about the restrictions that you need to have. When we speak about restriction, I just don't want everyone to get this idea that once you have kidney disease, mm -hmm. you can't eat anything. That is not true. It mm -hmm. is a false statement. Everything comes in moderacy. So you eat a Accordingly, you can eat whatever you want, <laughs> but accordingly, all right. So, and then we start referring you once you're already at a stage three, four, we pick you up and then we send you for kidney replacement therapy, early exposure counseling so that you know what are the options you have. Mm. All right, um, and we will, I definitely want to ask you more about the maintenance aspect of it later on, but you know, you're talking about how it's becoming an increasingly young people's disease. What are the main causes of chronic kidney disease now in Malaysia? Okay, um, looking at it, definitely diabetes. Diabetes mellitus is the highest cause of kidney diseases right now in Malaysia. That's about uh, 68%, followed by hypertension and others, for example, obesity, dyslipidemia, cholesterol issues. And not to forget, uh, there could be some uh, diseases that is related to uh, structural abnormalities itself, mm -hmm. a single functioning kidney, some stones or calculi within. Uh, it could be some sort of inflammation that we know as glomerulonephritis, uh, which is a little bit um, down under the list. But definitely diabetes is one of the main cause. And again, diabetes is not only hereditary, it's not only genetic, but it is lifestyle. Mm. And really, the top three causes that you listed are all mostly lifestyle related. Yes, it is lifestyle related. Yeah. Mm. And what is the burden of this disease in our population then? I guess how many people are struggling or that we know of are struggling with CKD? Okay, when we speak about CKD, it's about 15% of our Malaysian population have CKD. Mm -hmm. And if you ask me, out of this 15%, how many are going to progress to end-stage kidney disease, meaning that needing any form of kidney replacement therapy? Mm -hmm. uh, there are papers that have shown 1 out of 10. Wow. It means it's about 10%. And looking at the numbers of uh, patients who are on dialysis for the past decade, I think we have about 50,000 patients on any form of dialysis treatment that includes either it's going to be hemodialysis, dialysis, whether it's going to be peritoneal dialysis or we know it as water dialysis, transplantation included as well. So that's a very big number. And I think um, as for last year alone, under KKM, we had about 14,000 of them on wow. dialysis and uh, I would say about 8,000 maybe on hemo and another 6,000 on peritoneal dialysis. So this is a very big number uh, and a scary number, I would say. 
Mm, it is because it's it's. I mean, we hear the word dialysis all too often, but it's not something that we should take lightly. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. All right, we'll go for a quick break now, Dr. Pramila, and continue this discussion when you come back. I want to talk a bit more about dialysis and whether we rely on it just a bit too much here in Malaysia. On the show with me today is nephrologist Dr. Pramila Arul Arumugam from Hospital Sordang on this World Kidney Day special, and we're talking about how we can keep our kidneys healthy. Don't go anywhere, we'll be right back on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Lim Su. And on the show with me today is Dr. Pramila Arul Arumugam, a nephrologist from Hospital Sordang. And she's in the studio with me today, this World Kidney Day, to talk about our kidney health and how we shouldn't take our kidneys for granted just because you can lead a healthy and good quality life, uh, quality of life on just one kidney. Um, you know, they play an important role in keeping our bodies functioning and Unfortunately, the issue of chronic kidney disease is quite a severe one here in Malaysia. Um, it's an estimated 15% of the population has CKD. And of course, too many people are reliant on dialysis, whether um, in the public healthcare system or in the private healthcare system. Now, Dr. Pramila, do you think that there's a tendency for people to take CKD not as seriously as they should be because we think that oh, you can just go on dialysis? Well, I wouldn't say there is uh, such an over-reliance on dialysis mm -hmm. services itself. Uh, well, I guess that when we look at most of our patients, the very minute we put them or label them as a patient with chronic kidney disease or CKD, mm -hmm. some of them might just give up. They would not want to try further. They give up and they just pursue with their lifestyle, however, and with treatment that is being offered. So when all this fails, lifestyle modification and current ongoing treatment fails, so they end up with dialysis. So it's just a way of them giving up. Well, some of them definitely would have tried in between, but eventually when the kidney progresses further, um, so they do end up with uh, end-stage kidney disease. So I wouldn't say that it's because they feel that um, dialysis is a way out for them. It's mm. not. It's just where they end at the end of the day. Mm. What are some misconceived um, notions that people have about dialysis? Have you heard any? Um a lot of them, I guess when uh, dialysis, the word dialysis comes up, mm -hmm. uh, some might be very scared. Um, we should not judge them for how they feel towards dialysis. We need to make them understand that dialysis helps them and not bring harm to them. Uh, they would have heard lots of stories about their neighbours, uncles, aunts, everybody not faring well or even would have passed away being on dialysis. So it's a complete myth when you say that dialysis is um, a killer. Mm -hmm. It's not. Dialysis helps you live more, another 10 to 15 years down the road. And depending on what options of dialysis that you are opting for. So I guess that uh, the misconception about dialysis has to be changed in our society, among our Malaysians. Mm. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that we have the option of hemodialysis or peritoneal dialysis. Now, of course, more people would be familiar with hemodialysis. You would have seen, um, I guess, photos of her or heard from your family members or neighbours about them going to a dialysis centre to get it done. Um, but there's also that option of home-based peritoneal dialysis, right? Maybe you could shed more light on how are these two different and, and I guess what, in, what difference does it make to the individual? All right, so Ed, I love this question. I love when it comes to the debate between uh, whether this is hemodialysis mm -hmm. or peritoneal dialysis. Um, well, 
again, as I mentioned, we respect everybody around us. We respect our patients. So the most important thing as clinicians is you want to wonder what is their goal in life. Mm -hmm. This is something that I learned along the way. What is it that they want in life? What are the kind of activities that they want to pursue on daily basis. Mm -hmm. So opting between hemodialysis and peritoneal dialysis is going to be based on the patient's convenience itself. Mm -hmm. What gives them more comfort? If it's going to be hemodialysis, it means that they need a vascular access, like fistulas, all right, in order to get the dialysis done. It's actually uh, a vascular access that is created between your artery and vein, like mm -hmm. you're creating a highway so that you have a, a line so that the hemodialysis can take place. Mm -hmm. So creation of that vascular access itself. Mm -hmm. Second is going to be uh, going to a dialysis centre three times a week, spending four hours every dialysis session, meaning at an average of 12 hours per week. If your work or your family allows you or permits you to go through all that. So I guess that will be uh, something that some patients might opt for. Okay, in contrary, um, home base. Mm -hmm. So that is the name, home base or peritoneal dialysis, something that you do at the comfort of your own home. You can get it done at home. Uh, we just have to put in a catheter within your peritoneal cavity. But again, all these uh, options of between whether it's hemodialysis or peritoneal dialysis, you decide based on what is the best for you. Both carry similar risk and complications of infections, malfunctions. They do have uh, this similar risk and complications. So you have to just outweigh and decide which one would benefit you better. Um, I would say the greener one on... Um, in my personal opinion, will be peritoneal dialysis because we have seen uh, preservance of uh, the residual renal function, meaning that the capability of one to continue to produce urine uh, is better preserved uh, through peritoneal dialysis as compared to hemodialysis. But again, decision will be up to the patient. It is uh, supposed to be a discussed uh, decision together. Mm. And that's because people on hemodialysis um, don't produce urine, is that right? Um, usually when they reach towards the end of it, end-stage kidney disease, at the initial period of time, patients do still produce urine. Mm. As time goes on, slowly the residual, this is what we call the residual function, will deteriorate and diminish completely. Mm. I guess if we move on to taking good care of our kidneys, right, Dr. Pramila, which is uh, mm -hmm. what we want to get to today, what does that look like? Could you give some examples of, I guess, how someone with um, early or towards later stages of chronic kidney disease can take good care of their kidneys? Okay, so it's always back again to your eight golden rules. I mm -hmm. hope I can name all eight now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so definitely a healthy diet, drink lots of water, uh, Exercise routinely, no smoking or cessation at least, reduce and completely stop smoking. Uh, that will definitely help. Mm -hmm. uh, and definitely avoid all these over-the-counter medicine, supplements. There are some uh, nephrotoxic agents. We call this the nephrotoxic agents, anything that uh, affects your kidney in a bad way. So yeah, we have a lot of those supplements and over-the-counter medicine which is being sold and I guess... Um, our Malaysians love buying them. Mm -hmm. all right? So you have to avoid all this. And most importantly, make sure that your blood pressure is well controlled. Make sure the sugar levels are well controlled. And definitely try not to be obese. Can I name all eight? Yeah, I guess so. Mm. 
I guess supplements is interesting because not many of us think about it too much, right? We go to the pharmacy or you read about how this supplement is good and because they're over the counter, we think that they don't carry much harm. But I guess, how does it impact our kidneys in the long run? Is there sort of a threshold where you've taken too much supplements? Okay, when we speak about supplements, this is something very interesting that maybe I want to share with everyone today. So when we say supplements, there are different kinds of supplements. So some of it might be herbal, traditional-based uh, medications. Some of it could be just as simple as vitamin C mm-hmm. supplementation. And some supplements that uh, is stated to, uh, you know, some will say it cures your kidney, it gets your energy level better. So we as nephrologists, uh, we do not recommend any of this supplementation because we have seen in short run and long run Mm -hmm. what it happens to the kidney. Because we are here at the tertiary centres, we are being able to follow up each and every group of these patients. So whether these damages are going to be reversible or not, it depends on the duration and Mm -hmm. the amount of it that uh, that they have taken. And when I say vitamin C, obviously everybody wants to take vitamin C. But let's say if you take vitamin C at a higher dosage. Mm-hmm. For example, we love 1000 milligram of vitamin C. Mm-hmm. And when you take it for a longer duration of time, it's definitely going to exceed the excretion capability and the filtering capability of your kidneys. So we do have vitamin C-based crystals or stones being formed. So that's also going to affect your kidney. So at most, we would recommend about 200, maximum, even if you push it, 500. Some will say, I've got uh, some running nose, I want to take extra dosing. But all these are supposed to be taken at a shorter uh, period of time. So always discuss with your doctors before you take any form of supplements. Yeah. Mm. Now, earlier you mentioned about how diet is um, an important aspect of sort of taking care of your kidneys. But, you know, people think that just because you have chronic kidney disease, you cannot eat a lot of things. I guess, do you want to talk a bit more about that? Yeah. At the initial stage of chronic kidney disease, you do not want to limit your diet so much. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because it's going to lead to malnourishment. All right. So you don't want to get yourself malnourished. Mm -hmm. You want to take adequate calories, adequate protein, adequate vitamins and minerals. Only when you come to a later stage where you have not been started on any form of replacement therapies, kidney replacement therapies, I mean. So that is when, based on our advice, we would say, okay, now time for you to restrict your protein a little bit. Uh, we do not stop anyone from taking their food because it's going to completely demotivate them. You're going to push them away from our management mm-hmm. or even uh, for further management, I would say. yeah. So usually restriction of diet is always healthy lifestyle, meaning that low salt, when we speak about salt, it's not only the salt that we consume at home. Uh. A lot of them will say, saya makan makanan so tawa dekat rumah. But it's not that. It's our processed food. It's the hidden salt, right? Yes, correct. So that has got very much capability of increasing your blood pressure, absorbing fluid in your body and also restrict on that. And then processed food, they've got very high levels of phosphate, which is not very good for the kidneys as well. Yeah. Mm. Do patients struggle with that considering how much Malaysians eat food, uh, you know, eat out? Uh, that is something um, that we need to consider. So usually as uh, doctors, when we sit on our chair, it's uh, easier said than done. Mm-hmm. All right. So we don't, I think our limitation is time. We don't have enough time to cook our own healthy food at home. So most of us eat out. In fact, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when that comes, yes, it's definitely a struggle for them to limit their food intake based on what 
uh, they are supposed to. Mm. And everyone, you know, spends hours a day stuck in traffic jams, right? No one has time to... Munching in, yeah. Yes, There'll no be lots has... of munching in the car. They've got no time. <laughs> no time to cook, no time to exercise. And it's just, I guess, uh, an unfortunate impact of our lifestyles today as well. Yeah, but I guess uh, I just have to plea everyone to try to make time. So that's the best that we can do. Yeah, we do uh, give out advices uh, for, you know, home-cooked food, clean food, healthy food, healthy lifestyle. But I guess you have to be aware for your own self. It has to start from yourself uh, that you need to make time for all these activities. Yeah. Mm. If someone already has kidney disease, um, I guess both in the early and, and later stages, is it possible to reverse the damage or are we talking about maintenance of kidney function? If we have come to a stage of chronic kidney disease, it means that the damage has already been done mm-hmm. and uh, we just have to retard it from even progressing. So that is what we can do. But let's see if there is an insult. We do monitor before we label anyone at all as suffering from chronic kidney diseases. We do monitor them. We give Uh, time for the kidneys to heal Mm -hmm. out of the insult. But if it doesn't, scarring has occurred or some structural functional abnormality has already taken place, then I guess it's about uh, prevention from worsening. That's about it, yeah. Mm. And for those who have been diagnosed with kidney disease, right, have can people still lead a good quality of life? I guess to reassure people. Oh, definitely. Yeah, those who have got chronic kidney disease, they definitely can lead a completely normal life with your friends, with your colleagues, with your family, especially at the early stages. As I mentioned, they don't have any symptoms. Uh, maybe towards the end of it, when they are being subjected to dialysis and all, believe me, we have lots of patients who have fed very well being on dialysis, years of dialysis, and they still do their normal physical activities, their fun activities with their families and friends. So I don't think it's going to practically halt your daily uh, activities here. Mm. And I want to talk about prevention or I guess early detection as well because like you, um, like what you've been saying throughout this whole discussion that in the early stages it's much easier for people to um, maintain uh, their, their kidney function, right? I guess you talked about the some, some screening options like urine tests and blood tests. Who is at risk of kidney disease and should go for these tests and how often? Okay, definitely the higher risk groups will be those with diabetes, hypertension or any form of cardiovascular diseases, uh, obese ones. So they are definitely at a higher risk. So higher risk uh, group patients are advised for annual screening. Mm -hmm. So just a simple blood test and a urine analysis will do. And I think this uh, is offered everywhere. Mm -hmm. You can Uh, go to your local GP to get one. Yes, correct. Any registered clinic, just step in, say I want to get my annual checking done in here. Mm, all right. And to wrap up our discussion today, Dr. Pramila, what would be your takeaway message this World Kidney Day? Well, my takeaway message will be, I, uh, I think everyone um, should start being very aware of what is happening around, especially I think kidney diseases are progressing uh, to worse. And it all has to start from oneself, your own self. Uh, you have to be aware, you have to feed yourself with some knowledge uh, about how to prevent kidney diseases from progressing further. And if at all you do sustain chronic kidney disease, you are definitely not alone. We are here to guide you and to help you go through this together. 
So mm-hmm. as we all know, uh, it's World Kidney uh, Day event. Uh, this week, uh, we have like a mega carnival, mm-hmm. which is celebrated all over Malaysia. So in HKL, uh, they are having their celebration on the 9th of March. A national level uh, World Kidney Day celebration will be at Datara Nilai on the 11th. And uh, Slango State level will be on the 12th. It is at IOI Putrajaya. We have got lots of fun activities for everyone. So do come in and join all of us there. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Pramila. Thank you, Suen. I've been speaking to Dr. Pramila Arul Arumugam, a nephrologist from Hospital Serdang this World Kidney Day. I'm Lim Suen, and this has been Health and Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.